3: Fantasy Sports Today, hour number two. We're back on the show talking about some of the sleeper options at the first base position. We'll also get into a lot more, including a couple of interviews, one from one of those potential sleepers. As Fantasy Sports Today, hour number two, starts now. It's Fantasy
0: Sports Today.
3: Welcome in Fantasy Sports Today, hour number two of our show. Craig Michelon with Frank Stamfel here uh, on the Sports Grid television and radio network. Happy to be broadcasting me in South Florida, Frank in New Jersey. A lot to get to here on the show as we discuss the latest in what is happening in our world, which is Fantasy Sports. Frank, good to be with you here on this hour. and. We'll touch on uh, some sleepers at the first base position, but just kind of recapping the top stories. Are you in or are you out on Aaron Judge? Are you worried at all with this latest news that they're going to take it slow with him?
4: Yeah, I am worried about Aaron Judge, and I was worried about him even before any of this. Obviously, he's dealt with so many injuries. He had left shoulder surgery after the 2017 season. Last year, he missed 50 games with the oblique. I always worry about guys who deal with these core oblique injuries. I'm not really on Giancarlo Stanton. I'm off of Aaron Judge as well. I worry about Carlos Correa, who's never been able to stay healthy because of these oblique core back injuries as well. Uh, It's definitely something to monitor here with this uh, shoulder situation with Aaron Judge. I saw a tweet throughout the course of the show as well that said uh, he did some light jogging with the team and nothing else. He went back to the team clubhouse after that, did not throw, did not play catch, did not uh, take any swings, nothing at all. So it seems like they're being extremely cautious with Aaron Judge, uh, which is something obviously we have to uh, pay attention to here during spring, Craig. Yep, we do. Keep an eye on that. Keep an eye on Miles Michaelis and
3: keep an eye on everything that's happening on the field right now because... Yeah, we have full squads working out and games starting on Saturday. Dan Strafford's got your Sports Grid update coming up, and then Frank and I will be back with more, so don't go away.
2: Sports
0: Grid News Update
2: As you gentlemen just mentioned, Aaron Judge will be held out of batting practice on Tuesday. He was doing just that, some jogging around the field, being termed as maintenance on his right shoulder. More to come on that, I am sure. As of this morning, reports are out that the Boston Red Sox plan to sign Jonathan Lucroy. Miles Michaelis, as Craig just mentioned, has received a platelet-rich plasma injection and will need to rest for three to four weeks. Michaelis has been dealing with soreness in his flexor tendon. The hope is the injection will get him back on track. Cardinals will see how he feels in a few weeks, clearly behind on getting ready for the regular season. Houston Astros prospect Francis Martez was suspended 162 games for a second violation of the MLB drug policy. The 24-year-old was suspended 80 games last year for testing positive for a PED. President Donald Trump has pardoned Edward DeBartolo Jr., The former San Francisco 49ers owner convicted in a gambling fraud scandal in 1998. He pleaded guilty to failing to report a felony when he paid $400,000 to former Louisiana Governor Edwin Edwards in exchange for a riverboat gambling license. In a statement released around 10 p.m. Eastern on Monday night, NASCAR said, quote, Ryan Newman is in serious condition but doctors have indicated his injuries are not life-threatening. As a latest statement we have from NASCAR, more word out is that Newman is still at the hospital. We'll release more details when they have them. Newman's car was of course spun by Ryan Blaney as the two battled for victory in the race postponed by rain on Sunday. Denny Hamlin ended up getting the checkered flag for Joe Gibbs Racing. In the NBA, ESPN and The Athletic are both reporting. Houston Rockets are doubling down on small ball. They're planning to use their final two roster spots on 33-year-old forwards Damari Carroll and Jeff Green. Green will sign a 10-day contract. Carroll will sign after he passes through waivers. He was released by the San Antonio Spurs on Monday. I'm Dan Strapper and this has been your SportsGrid News Update.
3: All right. Thanks very much, Dan. And welcome back. Craig and Frank back here with you. As uh, Dan mentioned, we're going to keep an eye on this uh, Aaron Judge situation. There's no doubt that you're drafting now in fantasy and you have to kind of figure out. I mean, some players, are the injuries serious? Are they something that can keep them out of spring games? To me, Frank, when I go into spring training, and I kind of look at this differently with every player, so I don't want to just put a blanket assessment on Judge. But if the guys are late to playing in spring games in the first week or two, I'm usually okay with that. Uh, Once you get into the third week and players start getting cut, and I don't see consistent at-bats, then I kind of change my opinion. Um, I mean, I don't know how you approach spring, you approach stats, you approach players, but that's generally the way that I've done it. I don't look at anything in the first week at all. But then after the first week is done, so let's say after a week from Sunday, then I start to pay a little bit more attention. Of course, that's problematic for, for those people who are doing drafts right now, but that's kind of the way that I see it.
4: Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. You want to pay attention to playing time throughout the course of spring. I want to pay attention to mechanical adjustments, pitching change adjustments, right? Pitch usage adjustments, uh, you know, we hear about guys starting to use new pitches as well. Tyler Glass now working on a splitter. Uh, You know, those are things that I'm paying attention to. I think that makes uh, a lot of sense. Who fills in for Aaron Judge, right? If you were to miss any uh, playing time here throughout spring training, is it going to be Clint Frazier? Is it going to be Mike Talkman? I think that's something to pay attention to as well. Uh, Not so much the stats, right? Maybe you'll look at velocity uh, if you consider that a stat, but that's something I would pay attention to. Obviously, with somebody like Chris Sale, I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, The stats, I think, kind of – Skew people's opinions more than they should, right? We'll see a random guy come out of nowhere and hit double-digit home runs throughout the course of spring, and he'll become a sleeper. Uh, and maybe it's warranted, maybe it's not. Uh, but you know, oftentimes it feels like you know maybe the average fantasy player or someone who's not as in tune with what we're doing here, Craig, might just look at the spring training stats and say, "Oh well, oh this person's not performing well." Then you know I got to move them down my list a little bit. No, I mean that's not the case. Right. Like, especially when it comes to veterans, like you don't really care what you know Manny Machado is doing doing throughout the course of spring, or you know someone like Javier Baez or someone like that. So I don't look at the stats at face level, but I do agree that you have to look at playing time. I like to look at pitch mix adjustments, mechanical adjustments as well uh, throughout the course of spring, and I think that those are where you can maybe find the edges and, and a few extra sleepers here in fantasy this upcoming season, Craig.
3: Yeah, I, I think all fair points for sure. And, um, you know, it's just something that you have to keep an eye on and pay attention to. I think Frank's point is very well taken. When, it, when you're talking about a, a major player in fantasy, if he's not having a good spring, it really doesn't matter. But injuries are always something to keep an eye on. Uh, doubling down on that, uh, Ken Gurnick, who covers the Los Angeles Dodgers, uh, reports earlier today. Dustin May nursing a minor issue with his side, uh, per Dave Roberts. You know, May is one of those guys that because of the pitching transition that the Dodgers are under, it looks like that he would have a shot potentially to crack the rotation he definitely has talent he's one of their top prospects but another one of those situations where glad it happened earlier than later but we got to keep an eye on another another possible injury frank here
4: yeah, it's one of eight starting pitchers here uh, for the Los Angeles Dodgers that are basically vying for the final two spots in their starting rotation. We know that David Price is going to have a role, Clayton Kershaw is going to have a role, and obviously Walker Buehler. And it seems like Julio Urias is going to have one of those spots as well. I-, I would pencil him in personally. I guess you know things can still change throughout the course of spring training, uh, which for me would leave one spot available for Alex Wood, for Jimmy Nelson, uh, for Dustin May as well. So. Especially, you know, with a younger player like that, a younger pitcher, maybe, you know, gets a little bit of a later start here in spring. I would have to look to see if he has any minor league options available. I would assume that he does. Uh, Based on the other players that they have available to fill that fifth role in the rotation here, Craig, I would imagine he's probably slated for either a bullpen role or uh, opening the year in the minors, if if you just ask my opinion on that matter, Craig.
3: Yeah, it could be. The Dodgers have a lot of options, and Urias is is clearly one of them. You know, they've he's had some off the field issues also in the past that we kind of have to keep an eye on. But um, look, the, anybody that you take on the Dodgers, you got to know that you're getting into uh, probably a good situation for the first half of the season. I would guess that of among all the years, Frank, that the Dodgers have been competitive. I mean, this is is this not an all in year for them? Like they they have the basically. In the National League, very little competition, I would say. Like maybe within their own division, that's their best competition. But I would expect the Dodgers to even add some pieces this year.
4: Yeah, I think this is a team that's probably bound for another 100-win season. It makes a lot of sense. You look at the lineup, it's just absolutely stacked. They have two of the top five fantasy baseball picks, two of the five you know best hitters in the game right now, and Mookie Betts and Cody Bellinger. And then they have a bunch of other players who do their role on the team as well. You mentioned Max Muncy in the first hour, someone that you like this upcoming season for fantasy baseball, an OBP machine. He's going to fit right in there. Uh, batting second, Justin Turner hits for a good batting average. Jock Peterson mashes against right-handed pitching. And they have a bunch of platoon players as well. Uh, And then, we, you know, we haven't even spoke about Corey Seager, right? Corey Seager is someone who still, I believe, has massive upside. Uh, He has dealt with a couple injuries the past couple of seasons. By all accounts, he's entering this upcoming season healthy. It wouldn't surprise me if he's one of these guys similar to, you know, a Rafael Devers from last year who – we're kind of sleeping on a little bit in the middle of rounds of drafts, where you know next year he's being taken as an early round pick. It wouldn't surprise me one bit if you know if he goes out this year and hits 280 with 30 plus home runs, 100 RBIs uh, in this Dodgers lineup. I think it just comes down to help for someone like Corey Seager. The the biggest question mark for me might be in their bullpen, right? What are we going to get out of Kenley Jansen? Uh, you know, is he going to be able to keep it going here? Because uh, if not, they have someone waiting in the wings there in Blake Trinan. So uh, maybe the bullpen's the only question mark outside of that. This looks like a pretty damn complete team, Craig.
3: Yep, and bullpen is very easy to fix in July. No question about that. You see teams do it all the time. We'll be back with
0: more fantasy sports today as we roll on on this Tuesday right after this. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice.
1: Listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Fantasy Sports Today. Straight ball, I get it very much. First ball, that's our friend. Yes. Craig Mish and Frank Stanfall. You gotta take fear. I offer a cigar wrong.
3: Welcome back, fantasy sports today. Craig Mish, Frank Stanford, with you back here on the show as we're talking a little baseball, some fantasy baseball as well. Uh, just some updated news here, not in the fantasy baseball world, but in the fantasy football world. Uh, Drew Brees, according to Adam Schefter, just announced that he's going to return for another season in uh, in twenty twenty. So certainly we we'll look forward to having Drew Brees back. But let's uh, let's dive into the fantasy perspective here on Drew Brees. There is none. You don't have to do a draft for another six months. So that's the end of the story. This is a reality story, not a fantasy story. So we could pick it up somewhere else. Don't care. Enjoy. All right. So first base sleeper options in fantasy this year. I mean, look, there are guys that I think that could potentially have breakout seasons. There are other players that you know that have already had good seasons that maybe can kind of rebound. Um, But Sano is not ranked among us, Frank. I don't think in the top five or top ten. And there has been some health issues with him in the past. There's been some physical issues in terms of being able to play his position. But it looks like the, the Twins are going to put him at first. And he's just going to live there this year. What do you think about that proposition with them?
4: Yeah, I like that for Miguel Sano, and hopefully it can help him stay healthy because the main problem for Miguel Sano in his career has been availability. Last year only played 105 games, has never played more than 116 games in any major league season, but we know that when he's on the field, he is one of the best sluggers in the game. He reminds you of a Joey Gallo from the right side, almost like an Aaron Judge strikes out even more than an Aaron Judge because you look at his Statcast page, I mean, it is a sea of red. And if you've ever been to Baseball Savant and you've looked at the StatCast numbers, red is actually a good thing here. So his average exit velocity last year, 94.4 miles per hour. That was the 99th percentile. A 21% barrel rate that ranked in the 99th percentile. His ex-WOBA on contact was the best in all of baseball. When he makes contact, he makes some of the best contact in the game. There's no doubt about that. Uh, The the batting average is not going to be great because he strikes out a lot. You're probably expecting 240 to 250. But if he can ever stay healthy, again, last year hit 34 home runs in 105 games, Craig. If he could stay healthy for even – give us 130. 130 games, you can get 40, 45 home runs. If he gives you 140, 150 – we could be talking about a 50-home run hitter. I think that that is legitimately within the range of outcomes for Miguel Sano. I currently have him ranked as my 12th first baseman in 2020. Craig, what do you think about Miguel Sano this upcoming season?
3: Yeah, I think he's going to hit a lot of home runs. That team just clubbed the ball last year, and they're only adding Donaldson to the mix. They were breaking all kinds of records for power. The only interesting thing for me, and and again, this is more just knowing what the Marlins are, are going through here, is that a, a lot of credit, Last year, Frank, went the way of their hitting coach, James Rousen, who left to go to Miami. And, look, I'm not going to sit here and say that that's going to affect the team this year by losing their hitting coach, but it's just something to file away. They really improved, Minnesota did, on their launch angle, getting the ball in the air, and that's kind of what Miami is trying to do this year. I don't know that a coach can make that much difference on a club, but just something to uh, file away. Uh, Justin Smoke is another one for me, Frank. Justin Smoke is going to a place where left-handed hitters – have seen some massive jumps in power. The first one we saw a few years ago was Eric Thames. Remember how hot he got out of the box and ended up having a great fantasy season for where you drafted him? I mean, bottom line, he was an afterthought and ended up just having a monster offensive season, albeit he slowed down. That was years ago. Uh, Christian Yelich goes from Miami to Milwaukee, all of a sudden becomes an MVP. Is there a chance Justin Smoke, it's like 30 home runs playing first base for, uh, for Milwaukee?
4: Yeah, I don't think that that's crazy. Uh, you know, he's only done that once in his career. He did that back in 2017 in that breakout season. But, again, Miller Park is conducive to left-handed power, and he is a switch hitter, and he's in a really good lineup as well there with the Brewers. I think there's going to be, uh, you know, RBI opportunities, major RBI opportunities here for Justin Smoke. And last year, he was incredibly unlucky. I mean, a two oh eight batting average, his expected batting average was two fifty. That was actually the highest that it's been since 2017 as well. So uh, I think that we can expect a little bit of a bounce back in the batting average department here uh, and obviously some power. That's what we've always relied on uh, with Justin Smoke. And it sounds like the playing time is going to be, you know, quite regular I'm not sure he's going to play you know if they have six games out of the week I don't know he's going to play all of them maybe he plays four out of five uh, four or five of those but yesterday Craig Council came out and said Braun and Avi Garcia are going to be playing in right field together Uh, so it sounds like there's going to be some playing time here for Justin Smoke I think he makes for a perfect corner infielder I wouldn't want him as my starting first first baseman but in an NL only or in a 15 team mix I think he's a perfect corner infielder Craig yeah, I'm looking at him
3: basically to try and snag, as you mentioned, as my corner guy. I don't know that I want as as my starting first baseman, but uh, no doubt I want him on some of my teams just to see, just to take a shot. He's going for almost nothing. You know, there's not a lot of risk there. Uh, same deal with uh, Marlins first baseman, Garrett Cooper. Um, I'm, I'm going to have to see where I'm at with all of these fantasy guys. People think that just because I cover the Marlins that I end up with all of them. Go look at my fantasy teams the last couple of years. I almost had none. It was just the guys that would get called up. But Cooper qualifies at first. He's going to play outfield, it looks like, for the team in right field because they acquired Jesus Aguilar. I had a chance to catch up with him at spring training yesterday, asked him about what some of the things he was working on and how he felt about being called a player who potentially may not be an everyday guy. So, Coop, what did you you work on this offseason? What were some of the things that you did that uh, that you worked
5: on? Uh, You know, more physically and coming off the last year of, you know, playing again after missing, you know, missing that year with the right wrist injury, um, you know, I spent more time, you know, with physical therapists, more time stretching, more time yoga, a little bit less, a little bit less power, heavy lifting like I've normally done, you know, throughout my whole career. Um, that's that's what I knew, and that's that's what most strength programs had me doing throughout my, you know, 20s. And but as I got, you know, after coming off of last year and you know dealing dealing with a few things, you. You know, you realize that your body needs to go in a little bit different direction to handle, you know, playing outfield more. Um, you know, not just playing first, which you know a lot of my career was coming up. So, to have the body at its peak performance, to be a little bit more flexible than I used to be.
3: One of the things that happened, Coop, this offseason was uh, during the winter meetings, uh, the skipper Don Mattingly uh, was interviewed, and in his interview, he said that. There was some question as to whether or not you could be an everyday player in the big leagues. What did you think of, of that when you
2: uh, when you heard that interview or when you when you read about it?
5: You know, I could have come out come out and said something, you know, right then. But you know, having having to be labeled as you know an injury injury prone player, um, you know, it didn't sit right with me. But um, but missing a year off of off of getting hit by a by a ball and you know being out the whole year pretty much off of the, off of the, that's you know up and in that takes away a lot of the season and then coming back and getting hit again the next season I wouldn't call that an injury prone player or injury prone um, persona that I have maybe by you know maybe some people it's just you work in the off-season to come in and be a hundred percent to be the most you know complete player you can be so to have that I mean, I'm here to you know win a job and play every day. That's that's the name of the game. I'm not you know you're here to help the team whatever they want. But in my eyes, you know, with what I did last season, you know, I'll bet the you know calf strain that that happened. You know, it happens around people get injured, and you know, that was a fluke thing. And you know, getting hit again, I'm here to you know play and and I want to play 162. That's that's my goal, and that's you know that's that's who I am as a player. You know, in the minors, I never miss more than a week or two or. 10 days, it was probably the most I ever missed in my league career. So to be labeled as that, it's, it's, you know, it gives me more motivation to be, to be a player that they think, you know, maybe, you know, that they don't think I can be that player, but, uh, you know, I want to come out here and win a job. That's, that's the name of the game here and anything they want me to do, I'll do, but to win a job is the number one thing here.
3: So, you know, in your mind with some of the things that are said um, in your heart of hearts, you believe that you can play every day and you can suit up and play 162 games? Yeah, you
5: know, I respect Skip and I respect everyone that, you know, has given me this opportunity but, you know, I want to play every day and I think my body can handle 162 days. The calf strain happened. It's, it's you know, I missed three or four weeks with that and things happen. It's it's baseball, it's sports. Um, you know, but to come out here and, you know, to, have, to move down to Miami this offseason, it's been, it's been a working with some physical therapists with the team and, you know, I You know, I showed everything that, you know, they wanted me to do this offseason. They wanted me to come in, be more, you know, be more outfield ready. And it's just, it's something that, you know, puts a little bit of fire under your ass. It's, it's, uh, it's says itself. It's it's something that I want to be an everyday player. It is what it is. All right.
3: So Frank, uh, Garrett Cooper makes his feelings known. He thinks that he could be an everyday player, wants to play every day. I don't know that Miami will give him that opportunity. They brought in a lot of competition, Uh, Aguilar at first base let's also not forget Matt Joyce in right field too there could be some platooning there and then Harold Ramirez who came up last year had a pretty solid effort in his first big league camp but uh, if Cooper does play 130 games I think 25 home runs is realistic for him Uh, it's all about playing time and that's what it comes down to in fantasy we're looking for players who play every day as of right now I'm not sure that he will but he's going to try and make his case for it.
4: Yeah, and I'm interested in Garrett Cooper as well. If he can get that opportunity to play every single day. He reminds me a little bit of a Mark Canna type, right? Someone that's not going to hurt you anywhere outside of stolen bases, but going to give you a solid batting average, going to give you a little bit of home runs, going to give you some runs, some RBIs, and that's exactly what Garrett Cooper did last year in 107 games. 15 home runs, 52 runs scored uh, with 50 RBIs last year. The one thing I I would have you ask him next time if you can, Craig, is is about raising his launch angle. I'm going to be interested to see if the uh, the new batting uh, coach that, that comes in there is going to be able to help them raise that launch angle because his was still well below league average last year. Now, if he raises that even more, then maybe we could see a, a higher spike in uh, home runs in batting average as well with him hitting more line drives uh, and more fly balls. So if it's possible to ask him about that, uh, I would be interested to hear what he has to say. And I think, you know, having that, that, that hitting coach come in Certainly can hurt based on what we saw the Minnesota Twins do last year, Craig.
3: Yeah, that's a, a big part of it, getting the ball in the air. That ground ball rate is always the key to more home runs or less. More first base sleepers from
0: Frank Stanful coming up next. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. Sports Today with Craig Misch and Frank Stanford.
3: Welcome back. Fantasy Sports Today. Craig and Frank back here with you as we discuss everything going on in fantasy baseball. Our top stories of the day. Injuries to Miles Michaelis. Going to keep him out at least three to four weeks. Probably on your fantasy draft board. At this stage, a lot of concern, more of an NL-only guy, I would even think at this point. The Cardinals are going to have some openings in their rotation, maybe an opening in left field. A lot of moving parts on that club uh, going into the year, more than we would have thought for sure. Uh, Back to first base discussion we go. For those of you who are really intent on our positional rankings, we'll do second base tomorrow. I gave you some potential sleepers. I want to throw Ryan Mountcastle, by the way, in here as one of the deeper, deeper sleepers, I would think, this year. He's an infielder that has a lot of power, uh, not part of the Mike Elias regime, so uh, drafted previous to that, and now is getting ready to make his Major League debut. Looks like he's too big to play anywhere else except for uh, first base. We saw Chris Davis come out and say that he's in good shape and he's ready to go. Okay, we know. Uh, but Chris Davis is not part of the future. There's a chance Mount Castle is more or less a, a deeper league-type flyer We saw a few guys on that Orioles team last year come out of nowhere, by the way, to hit 20, 30 home runs. Renato Nunez, Mancini had a career year offensively, and so the park plays a little bit in that AL East. Maybe Mountcastle, I would set his home run total maybe at 14 and a half for the season, maybe goes over, maybe goes under. But just wanted to throw his name out there as a possible sleeper. Okay, so Frank, over to you. Who do you got for your sleepers this year?
4: Yeah, before I jump into the sleepers, I'll kind of double down on Ryan Mountcastle with you. I took him in one of my draft champions, draft and hold leagues already. Uh, Last year, Three twelve batting average, 871 OPS with 25 home runs. So I'm with you on Ryan Mountcastle. He's someone that I was stashing everywhere last year and just never came up. Maybe we see him earlier on in the season this year. Maybe he's a May call-up, June call-up, whatever it might be uh, with the Baltimore Orioles, but very excited about Ryan Mountcastle as well. Uh, I'm going to give you three sleepers here, Craig. I I like Luke Voigt with the New York Yankees, obviously things have to play themselves out in terms of playing time with that team. Uh, where's Miguel Andujar going to play? Is Luke Voigt going to get everyday playing time? Well, last year he was given everyday playing time, and earlier on in the season, he made the most of that playing time. Through J- July 30th last year, he was triple. his triple slash was 278. 392, 493 with 19 home runs, a 136 weighted runs created plus in only 94 games. Uh, obviously, you want as much exposure to the Yankees and that ballpark as you could possibly get. So, I'm intrigued in Luke Voigt. Really good in terms of that OBP, too. Again, that 392 OBP if you play in a points league or OBP format. Uh, definitely interested in Luke Voigt there. The next one is CJ Krohn, who's going even later than Luke Voigt. 55 home runs over the last two seasons. He had, one, uh, he had 25 home runs last year in just 125 games. He was 6th in all of baseball last season in barrel percentage, and he absolutely mashes lefties, if you want to keep that in mind when it comes to a DFS perspective for C.J. Crone. Uh, he's similar to me as a Justin Smoke type, who you can get as your corner infielder later on in drafts. And then last but not least, Christian Walker came out of nowhere last year with the Arizona Diamondbacks. Some people had labeled him as uh, uh, you know, nothing more than a quad A player, but I think he proved last year that he can hang in the major leagues. Uh, he wound up hitting 29 home runs in 152 games, and another stat cast darling here 91 mile per hour average exit velocity that was in the 85th percentile last season, a 13.1 percent barrel rate that was in the 90th percentile as well. And if you look at his career in the minors, pretty damn good. 285 hitter with an 839 OPS. Uh, he's going to have to fight off Jake Lamb. We'll see what they do there uh, with the Arizona Diamondbacks. But personally, I think that he will have the majority of that bats Christian Walker, that is, with the Arizona Diamondbacks at first base this upcoming season. Uh, if I were ranking them, I would probably go Voigt Christian Walker, CJ Krohn. Uh, but those are all guys that I really do like uh, maybe as corner infielders this upcoming season. Craig, you like any of those guys?
3: Yeah, you know, it's what's interesting uh about this list, and again, um, you know, you you have to like a player to, to put a list together and think that they're gonna be a sleeper, and we're obviously not being a proponent of taking these guys early in a draft, it's more or less late. Um, you know, Crone, look, no doubt, first half, good. He's gonna be traded somewhere else, Frank, and that's gonna be a problem. Uh, I think for the second half for him. Walker, you're right, proved he could hit home runs. They still do have Jake Lamb as a possibility. You mentioned Luke Voigt. Is there any fantasy value for Mike Ford, Frank? Like, where does he stand after what he did last year? I don't hear his name at
4: all. Yeah, it's a fair question, and Mike Ford was uh, was great. And it, if, you, if you've seen him, he's uh, he's built Ford tough. That's the uh, the call of John Sterling, of course, there with the New York Yankees. But Mike Ford, uh, yeah, he was great last year, both in the minors and the majors at the major league level. Last year, he had two fifty nine. He had a nine oh nine. OPS last year.
3: All right, uh, we'll get back to Frank here in just a minute. We're having a few uh, technical difficulties there out in uh, in New Jersey, so we'll get back to Frank in just a minute. But yeah, I mean that's kind of my deal with with Void. Is I'm worried that there could be some other players in play that could take the playing time away. Ford is out there. Talkman is another one who could potentially play first base. And so the Yankees, because of all of the injuries that they had last year, are in a position, I think, coming up in 2020 to really take advantage of that by having more depth. Now, we never know how these things are going to play out, and guys could get hurt again. But I think for the uh, for the most part, there's no doubt that if you take a flyer on one of these guys in an NFBC draft, speaking of which, I'm involved right now getting ready to pick here pretty soon, I think that's potentially uh, part of it. Uh, Frank, um, so, you know, I, I think that it could be a platoon situation. That's what I'm a little bit worried about. And I illustrated a few other names that the Yankees could play at first base. So if that is indeed the case, I'm wondering, I mean, is there any chance Voit sniffs like 400
4: plate appearances? It seems high. Yeah, I think he proved himself last year uh, against both lefties and righties. You look at the splits last season and he was actually better against right-handed pitching than he was against lefties. He had 2.68 with an 8.60 OPS against right-handed pitching last year. Uh, 2.50 with yeah, We'll a... get
3: Yeah. Yeah, Frank, you're uh, you're breaking up there a little bit there with the with the audio. Sounds like we have a little bit of a glitch on the audio side, so we'll get back to uh Frank in just a minute for sure. Um okay, so uh other first basemen... In, in the fantasy aspect, and I think that position-wise, things could be really interesting in different places. Like, where are there these specific position battles in uh, fantasy? I think that's kind of something that we could take a look at here as we uh, as we close out this, this segment. And then uh, coming up next, we're going to get into my draft that's going on right now. Players that we haven't talked about. Uh, okay, so in Texas the two players that are fighting for their positions there, Danny Santana, where in the world did Danny Santana come from last year to put up the kind of numbers that he did all of a sudden, he's not only being looked at as a potential first baseman, but a potential like all over the diamond utility type player. So I'm impressed with what I saw. Don't know that I'm going to completely buy in on another year of what he did last year. But I think he's somebody that will definitely have to pay attention to for sure. Because if he wins the job, um you know that's probably a situation where Ronald Guzman doesn't have a role on the team and Guzman while he's a great defender not the best offensive player so um you know we'll keep an eye on that we'll see if he ends up playing um also another potential position battle at the first base position is what the Rays end up doing now Yandy Diaz is somebody that I think still has a ton of potential but the question is is Tampa going to be platooning is, uh, you know, if Frank wanted to talk about uh, Nate Lowe. Is Nate Lowe the guy that could play first base? Because they could really platoon both guys there. And so I'm probably out on the Rays situation as far as that's concerned. We also have a situation in Boston where we really don't know who's going to start at first base. Michael Chavis is somebody that at this point you would think has a possibility to be an everyday guy. He's kind of entering the spring a little bit hurt. They brought Mitch Moreland back in return, and I don't think anybody wants a piece of Mitch Moreland, but whoever the Red Sox first baseman may end up being could kind of find its way into spring training. And then what does Seattle end up doing now with Dan Vogelbach? Vogelbach last year just kind of burst out onto the scene and hit a bunch of home runs. And now the fact is, is with Evan White being signed to a long-term contract, I don't know what Vogelbach's role may be unless he's a full-time designated hitter They've kind of moved him out of the equation as Seattle's defense just took a major step back. Which is back to Brandon Belt yet again. Belt is somebody that always seems to be in the mix and everyone always seems to try and, and predict a better year than the year that he had before. But I think you have enough data by now to see that Belt's a 15 to 16 home run guy, a 50-60 to RBI guy, and always has that chance of missing 30, 40 Major League games, although he played in most of them last year. So back-end options at first base, not terrible, but if you're playing in a 12-team league and we're talking about one of these guys as your corner infielders, I don't know that that's exactly the best decision for you. You may want to dive into that player pool a little bit earlier. All right, coming up next, we'll hit on my draft and hold team in Tout Wars. Uh, Right now we are in the fifth round. And I'm once again in the expert league this year, although I'm not in the league that I used to be in, which is the National League only. I am this year uh, participating in what I think is going to be a very uh, interesting and fun league. I got 50 rounds of an NFBC and we are right now are uh, in the midst of it. So I have four players that I've already taken. I'm going to go over them with you next. And then we will uh, be done for our day. And tomorrow we'll be back to do our second base preview in fantasy baseball. We'll have our top guys, our sleepers, and also some players potentially that you could get on the back end of your fantasy baseball draft. So, with that, we'll take a short time out here on Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish back with you in just a couple of minutes. We got Chris Mavota of the show. And we'll be back to talk a little bit about my draft. I know, most scintillating stuff. Who I'm taking in fantasy. That'll give you an idea who you should take. We'll
0: be right back. Sports today with Craig Mish and Frank Stanford.
3: Welcome back. This is Fantasy Sports Today, and Craig Mish back with you here on the show. We got you until 1 o'clock Eastern, and um, Chris, you'll let me know uh, you know, where we stand with Frank, and then hopefully we'll have him back here on the show tomorrow, and we'll uh, continue to talk about it. Okay, uh, Frank, we got Frank back here. Uh, Frank, uh, my Tout Wars drafted and hold team is underway. I've made four picks so far through four rounds. I've got Alex Bregman as my first pick overall, uh, 13th pick in the draft. J.D. Martinez we have as the second pick. At the 18th pick overall, I'm going to put him in the outfield, of course. Bregman, I'll put it short. Manny Machado, I'll have a choice of short at third. I have him with my third pick at 43 overall. And then pitching's getting light, so I went with Patrick Corbin in the fourth round, my uh, 48th selection overall, so Corbin will be my ace. I got shortstop all wrapped up. I got third base all wrapped up. I got some power. I got a little bit of speed, and, of course, I'm going to be a little bit light on the pitching end, Frank. So what do you think so far?
4: I really like the first two picks, uh, aside from the fact that you didn't come away with any stolen bases. I don't know if you have a plan for how you like to attack stolen bases typically in your drafts, but uh, we know that Bregman, maybe he'll give you five, eight stolen bases max. J.D. Martinez is not going to give you anything there. But this is an OBP format, and you have 2 four for-legitimate stud category contributors here uh, in Bregman and JD Martinez. Bregman was third in all of baseball last year in OBP, and JD Martinez was 16th. So I think you did a great job racking up the OBP there, and obviously you're going to get a ton of home runs, RBIs, uh, and runs scored from both of those players, even with no Mookie bets, I think JD Martinez, his RBIs, and his runs will still be pretty damn good. Uh, Do you have a plan, for attacking stolen bases, or it's just kind of how you uh, go about your drafts? Is it just best player available at all times? You don't put an emphasis on, on specific uh, categories here. Uh, what is your plan for stolen bases here, Craig?
3: Yeah, well, I mean, I'm going to have to kind of hit on that a little bit later in the draft, um, hoping that Bregman can get me 10 to 15. But with stolen bases going down exponentially, uh, you know, I I just got to look at this, Frank, as saying I'm going to have to probably not finish first in that category, but hopefully not finish last and kind of piece it together as I go. So, I mean, if I'm under the assumption that, you know, let's say somebody with one of their first three picks, Frank, uh, took one of those outfielders that can hit, you know, 20 home runs and 20 steals. I think that that's fair. How many steals would you say Alex Bregman will get this year?
4: Probably 5 to 7, no more than 10. I, I would say that that's probably a cap for Alex Bregman.
3: Okay, so I would say that, uh, look, he had 17 two years ago, uh, 10 in 2018, 5 last year. So let's, let's give him between 5 and 10 stolen bases. How many you got for Manny Machado?
4: I would say it's probably similar to Alex Bregman. I mean, you look at his season log, and his stolen bases are all over the place, Craig. One year you get 20, one year you get zero. So obviously just projecting stolen bases for anybody is is incredibly tough to do. Uh, but I think it's especially hard for Manny Machado. You just don't know what you're going to get from him. And, of course, you've uh, brought up the fact that they have a new manager there in Jace Tingler. So we don't know how much he's going to let these guys run. I would say he's probably in a similar range as Bregman. Let's say with those two guys combined, you get 15 stolen bases.
3: Yeah, and I would think that's the high number, but let's just assume that I get somewhere between 10 and 15. It's I'm not that far off from someone who drafted a player in the first two rounds with with a guy who gets 20 stolen bases. So I was very cognizant of the fact that of not getting a zero guy with the first pick and not getting a zero guy with the third pick and again, with stolen bases down, you really don't have to have one of those uh, you know, types of players that can steal 40 or 50, I don't think, with one of your first two picks. Now, I did have Cattell Marte as a possibility on the board, and he actually was one of the few players that uh, slipped quite a bit. But Frank, for me, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but when a player like Marte has the kind of year that he had last year, it's not that I don't believe he can do it again. But it was such an outlier from where he was in years past, I decided to go with Corbin instead.
4: Yeah, I definitely agree with the Corbin pick. I think you had to come away with at least one starting pitcher here uh, at your 3-4 turn. And considering what you did with the first two guys, I didn't have a problem with Bregman and J.D. Again, those guys help you out so much with OBP. Uh, but I think you had to at least grab one starting pitcher there at your 3-4 turn Um I like Kettle Marte, and what we saw last year, you know, the StatCast data really backs it up, what he did in terms of uh, increasing his launch angle, and he hit the ball harder than ever before, and it seems like he's really starting to come into his own with his body type too, like you see he's added some muscle mass as well, Uh, he's only 20, he was 25 years old, he's going to be 26 uh, for this upcoming season, so I'm kind of buying into what we saw from Kettle Marte last year, I think he's going to be close to a 300 batting average, you know, maybe not over 30 home runs, let's say, you know, 25 home runs with good run and RBI production, probably around 10 stolen bases as well. I did want to ask you about Manny Machado because I love Manny Machado this upcoming season, but according to NFBC ADP, he's going off the board at pick 61. Now I will say this, you took him uh, at pick that would be 43. So you pulled him up the board a little bit here, uh, but if you wanted him, you probably had to take him with one of these two picks because he likely would not have come back to you uh, in the fifth-round range. Was that your thinking when it came to uh, drafting Manny Machado at this point in the draft?
3: Yeah, that was it. That was basically it. And I looked at the other third-base options, and I was so high going into the season on Eugenio Suarez until he got hurt, and now I just have a little bit of cause of concern. But I just thought that in terms of the drop-off at the position, Going from Manny Machado to – and I know you like Lemayhew. I'm not as high on Lemayhew as you are. And then going to Matt Chapman I thought was a pretty significant downgrade. I kind of was looking at the tiers there. Okay, so uh, I have a pick coming up, which is probably not going to happen here on this show, which is fine because everyone, if you're in a slow draft, I I get it. It is painful. It is annoying. I don't love doing slow drafts, but if you give people the opportunity to not draft for 12 hours – then, you know, they don't have to draft for 12 hours. So I'm eight picks away. So, Frank, uh, I'm going to go over some names of players who are out there, and you could tell me where you think that I could go. Um, Okay, so Mondesi is still on the board. We have Suarez, who I mentioned. I probably won't take him because I think I'm good there. Uh, The first base position is something that I need. Anthony Rizzo is still available. I don't know that he'll get to me, but that could be a possibility. You know that I'm always intrigued by JT Realmuto. If I have two picks back to back, I would take him with one. We have Eloy Jimenez, Jonathan VR, DJ LeMahieu, Marcus Simeon. So those are essentially the best hitters, at least uh, that are in the queue that are on the board. And I didn't rank my players going in. And Jose Abreu is available. Josh Bell, maybe I could wait on them. Uh, starting pitching is interesting. There is really not a lot. Jose Barrios, Trevor Bauer, Tyler Glass now. Corey Kluber, Brandon Woodruff, Mike Soroka. That's about where we are with the pitchers. You
4: think I got to go another pitcher here? So I don't really like the value on any of those starting pitchers. It seems like you know in that late fifth, early sixth round range, I'm kind of avoiding the starting pitchers that are going uh, in that in that ADP right now. You know, you mentioned guys like Jose Barrios and uh, and Corey Kluber in that range. They're just not targets of mine this upcoming season. I really like you know taking an ace in one of the first two rounds and then coming back around in the fourth round, like you did, taking a Patrick Corbin. I really like guys like Chris Paddock this upcoming season, Charlie Morton as well. Uh, So by more often than not, I'll have two starting pitchers in the first four rounds, uh, and I'm really kind of staying away from that round five, round six range. So two names that stood out to me most, Anthony Rizzo, if he makes it to you, I don't know if, if he's going to, but from an OBP perspective, I mean, he's just he's fantastic in this type of format. Uh, you know, he's not going to be great in terms of power. You know, he'll probably give you 28 to 30 home runs, solid run and RBI production as well. And considering that you have that much OBP base, I think that you can swallow the hit with Alberto Monesi. I mean, this is someone who's going in the third round of NFBC drafts. It's the fifth round here. He's still available because he is terrible in terms of on-base percentage. He's likely going to give right. you a sub-300 OBP. But I think that you can kind of take that OBP on because you already have JD and you already have uh, an Alex Bregman and, and Manny Machado should have a solid on-base percentage as well. So I would probably look to a, an Anthony Rizzo and Adalberto an Mondesi or, or a Real Muto and an Adalberto Mondesi. But if Mondesi makes it back to you there, even with the really bad OBP, that's probably the range that I would look at uh, and then maybe, you know, in that seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth round range, load up on some starting pitchers with some upside. But uh, personally, I don't really like the starting pitchers that are going in that range this year, Craig.
3: What about Barrios as, as the back? And not, not with this
4: pick, but the second pick. You're not, you're not enthralled with him? He's fine. I think he kind of just is what he is at this point. Like, if people are still expecting him to uh, take that next step, like, I think he kind of just is who he is. Like, he's going to give you a 3-7, 3-8 ERA. Uh, he's going to give you volume. He's going to go two hundred innings, uh, which means he's likely going to give you close to two hundred strikeouts. He's fine. He just doesn't really excel at anything. He's probably going to give you like a one-two-zero WHIP, uh, and the run support should be really good for the Minnesota Twins. So maybe uh, you know you're looking at around fifteen wins. It's really tough to. Project wins, but uh, obviously in that division he'll get to face off against the Tigers and the Royals and some really good matchups there. Uh, And and luckily won't have to face his own lineup because the Minnesota Twins have one of the the best in baseball. I think he kind of just is who he is, which is fine if that's what you want. Like if you just want volume and a and a mid to high threes ERA. But outside of that, I'm just not expecting him to ever take that next step, Craig. I think if you were going to do it, it probably would have happened already.
3: All right, let's end the show with a little exit velocity.
0: I feel the need, the need for speed. Exit velocity. Nice velocity.
3: All right, we'll end the show with a little exit velo. We will end where we started, which, of course, is uh, another injury in baseball and in fantasy today. Today it's uh, with Miles Michaelis who was a fantastic winning pitcher, by the way, wins two years ago. In fact, Miles Michaelis told me uh, last year, if you don't like wins, you're a loser. He told me that if if getting deep into a game isn't a skill, he doesn't know what is, and that was a skill for Michaelis, getting into the sixth and seventh inning. That kind of fell apart a little bit last year, and now his season, at least the beginning of the season, has to be in a little bit of jeopardy. Bad to see, probably have to stay away from him. On draft day, for a lot of you, that is coming soon. That'll do it for the show. For our producer, Chris Pavona. And for Frank Stanfill, I'm Craig Mish. We'll talk to you tomorrow at 11 a.m. Eastern right here on Sports Grid. Have a great day, everybody. See ya.
0: DailyRodo.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice, we play every day.